You will carry that sorrow always. Sure. But we just surrender the sorrow and ask God to use it. And He is, and He does. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. Are you going through a tough time? Maybe a storm in your life? Could you use some hope, some encouragement, just some good news that there is life after the storm? Stay close. I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. But as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain. I'm with you, and as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. Welcome into Life, Love, and Family. Hi, this is Dr. Tim Clinton. Hope you'll grab a cup of coffee and join me today. I don't think there's anything more difficult in all the world than to go through the toughest time of your life when your chin drops and you don't feel like it's safe, like there's no hope and everything's confusing and you're crying out, God, why? Why us? Why me? Why now? And yet we all know that storms come. Today we're going to talk about life after the storm and that God will carry you through. And maybe right now you're thinking, I don't know if I even want to hear that. Believe me, you want to turn this one up. Our special guest today is Jan Harrison. She's an author, speaker, Bible study teacher who's inspired women for more than 15 years. She's experienced the promise of a life after the storm when her son James died unexpectedly. She's going to talk a lot about James today. She serves on the board of With Open Eyes. It's a ministry that was co-founded by her son, James. She and her husband, Frank, reside in Charlotte, North Carolina. Jan, thanks for stopping by, Life, Love, and Family. Hi, Tim. It's great to be with you today. Jan, as we get started, I, I actually grew up on a farm a couple of miles back a dirt road in central Pennsylvania. The farmhouse was kind of situated in a valley in between two hills. And one of the things that terrified me as a kid was when the lightning and thunderstorms would come through because it seemed like our house got hit by lightning repeatedly, not once. I'm talking repeatedly. And it was terrifying, Jan. When I think about storms in life, it gets pretty terrifying and you become hypervigilant or very fearful. Storms do come, don't they, Jen, to everybody? There's probably some people listening right now. They're in that dark hour. Absolutely. I think the more you live and the more you listen and the more you participate in life, you realize that storms are taking place all the time in people's lives around you, 
and very frequently in your own life. I remember one of my favorite uh, speakers in all the world would say, Tim, there really are only three kinds of people, those going in to trouble, those in it, and those coming out the other side. By the way, probably getting ready to go back in it, Jan. Let's dial this back for a moment. Your mom, you have, what, three daughters and a son. I want to press into James. Tell us a little bit about James growing up. What was he like? Oh, James was a energetic, loving, fun-loving, adventuresome little boy, so warm, so caring, so kind. He was a really good brother. He didn't ever really pick at his sisters. One was older, two were younger. He was just a fun-loving little boy. He had struggles. He had some learning disabilities. He was so endearing, so loving. He was very coordinated, very athletic, had lots of friends, and school was just really hard for him. So I would almost say that storms in James's life really began as a little boy, realizing he was not able to do in the classroom what a lot of the people around him were able to do. And it was hard. There's something about cross-sex relationships, meaning mom and sons and dads and daughters. That doesn't minimize fathers and sons and mothers and daughters, but there's something unique about that cross-sex relationship that's a special bond. Manages way through life and has a calling on his life. He decides that he wants to serve the Lord, and he winds up over in Africa, right? He did. James, I think part of his early struggles, he just had a compassion for people. He particularly was sensitive to those who struggled in different kinds of ways. And when he was about 21, he went to South Sudan for the first time to just have a summer volunteer time at a Samaritan's Purse compound there. He loved adventure. He loved danger. He loved walking on the edge, (laughs) and South Sudan really appealed to him. And it was in that compound that James met from the very beginning some local pastors and ministers and missionaries, evangelists. He just admired and respected and was blown away by their faith. And that was when his love for Africa, for the African people, for their struggles, it just ignited in his heart. doesn't kind of make sense then, Jan, as the story unfolds that One day, I guess in, what, 2010, you and Frank uh, got a phone call. Right. Um, In 2010, James had returned to Kenya about six months prior to his death, and he was living with a local pastor in Kenya, one of the ones he had met in South Sudan, living with their family, working in the village, just participating in village life, as if he were Kenyan. In fact, one of the uh, people there told me we have never seen a white man work and live among us like James does. He just loved them. 
And while he was there uh, working in the village and going back and forth to Nairobi, trying to uh, just take care of things he needed to take care of, he became sick. He had no idea. He was a pretty fearless guy and never really complained much about anything. And he became sick and did not realize it. He checked into a hotel, and we later found out he had undiagnosed and therefore untreated pneumonia, and he passed away. When you heard the news, I think your husband Frank actually came and talked to you and told you that um, he was gone. As a parent, I, I can't even I can't even go into that moment because I don't I don't even know how to reconcile it in my mind. Mm. Jen, what happened for you? It's it is so hard to wrap your mind around that kind of news that at first your reaction is this can't really be true. Are you sure you heard that right? Or you immediately you deny. And then, you know, when your husband looks you in the face and you see that brokenness on his face and you realize that this is what he heard, it, it's just as if the ground underneath begins to open up and you start to free fall physically, emotionally. You just, you, you lose your equilibrium. And it's hard in those moments to, um, you can't breathe. Mm-hmm. The confusion, Jen, I want to connect for a moment with those who are out there. And I don't know what their journey or what they're going through. Maybe they've gotten a diagnosis. Maybe they're going through horrible rejection in their marriage. Maybe they're in trouble with a child. Maybe it's divorce. But they absolutely have been sucker punched. And everything that was in them is out of them. And they're terrified. Mm-hmm. Jen, what do you say to them? What did you learn as you walked through that deep, dark valley personally, the two of you? Because life was beautiful. There were storms, but you, you were a family, and you committed your life to Christ. And all of a sudden, everything, life just takes an about face. Right, right. You, you know, I, I said that it's as if a line in the sand has been drawn, and everything up until that day changes. I mean, everything changes, and it is the most disorienting, and just, it's so hard to get your bearings, and it's so difficult to just begin to figure out what your steps are going to be. So, the thing that I learned, and the thing that I share with such confidence is while everything changed and everything does change and while I was confused and nothing was the same, God remained the same. And I learned that day by day, step by step, hour by hour, really. I learned that He was there. He was faithful. I came to some crossroads. There were certainly some decisions, some times when I had to decide if the Word of God that I had stood on, believed, taught, shared, proclaimed, 
if it was true up until that day, I had to decide if I believed it was true after that day. And I found that the word is true, that every word of the Lord proves true. He was faithful to begin to comfort and console and minister. He would call back memories and promises and just open up my heart and my spirit. I know it was my inner man he was ministering to because my emotions often didn't register these things. But God was watching over my inner man through every dark hour. Jan is the author of a brand new book published by our friends at Harvest House. It's entitled Life After the Storm, God Will Carry You Through. Jan Harrison, our guest again out of Charlotte, North Carolina. She is on the board of a ministry called With Open Eyes and a profound book uh, really detailing her personal journey through the loss of her son, James. And Jan, in the book, you break this journey up into three phases. I want to stay in that initial phase where emotions are raw, where it is confusing. And by the way, some people are in it right now. They're listening. And they're mad at God because it didn't need to happen. It shouldn't have happened. It's not the way life's supposed to be. What do you tell that man or that woman, Jan, right now who's angry or maybe they're blame shifting or they're all over the place? It's chaotic. Sometimes they can't even get out of bed. They've heard people say God's faithful, but they don't even know how they feel about God's faithful right now. You know, I feel like this maybe is something that almost every person can identify with when A child is upset and angry or frustrated or confused, all of those things that you just used to describe. And you as a parent or the adult, maybe the grandparent or just someone who cares about them, you're trying to say words of comfort or hope and they just keep pulling away and they turn away and they want to get away and sometimes you have to let them walk away for a while. I think that's very much how we are when we're in it, when those storms are breaking over us. We are God's children and we have all of those emotions that he gave us, that he understands and they have to be acted out to some degree, but that same caring adult also waits, and they stand there, and the child will finally wear themselves out, and then they turn back into you, and you can start to hold them and comfort them and speak words of encouragement to them and remind them that you are there for them and that you will help them, and I I just see that picture, and I I think that's the best way I can describe what God does for you is He allows you to react because we're caught in these, these emotions that are very much His gift to us. If you're in that place now where you're pulling away, pulling away, you can never pull away from Him. He's 
there. He's waiting. He's caring. And when you get tired and you get weary of the fight and you just turn back in towards him, he will speak those words of comfort and love and consolation and care that only he can give you. You will begin to see that faithfulness and that love that has always been there. I have in my mind a portrait of a mom in a mall where she's trying to pick her little girl up and her daughter's crying like crazy and kicking and just going flailing all over the place. And it's like God wants you in those moments to come to him as a loving parent. I wrote down in my notes, Jan, as I was going through your book, how do you pray? How do you approach him? I guess what you're saying is just pray in whatever way you want. The Psalms are a cry of brokenness in so many places of just anguish and anger. And in there, it's approach him. Let him be in the midst of that storm. He is in it. Yeah. But man, it's just so hard, Jen. I guess at the end of the day, where else am I going to go? Who else am I going to cry out to? Who else am I going to scream out to, right? Right. That's finally the conclusion you come to. And it's like nothing else is working. Nothing else is healing. Nothing else is helping. So you cry out in desperation, just like David did. You know, where are you, Lord? Do you hear me? And he honors that cry, just that desperate, frustrated cry of his children. I love in Jan's new book, Life After the Storm, God Will Carry You Through, published by Harvest House. Jan, you make reference, obviously, you dial it back into uh, the story of Noah, how God prepared him for the storm. You also talk about Jesus with the disciples, and he knew the cross was coming, and there would be denial, betrayal chaos of every sort. And you quoted this verse, Matthew 26, 32. These are the words of Jesus, but after I have been raised, I will go before you into Galilee. What did that verse mean to you? You know, Tim, when I read that and really stopped to put it in the context of the feelings and all that was taking place, that spoke such hope to me. It just reminded me that Jesus has an answer to follow every crisis. He knows what is ahead. He knows all of those emotions and uh, frustrations and denials that are going to come. And he just assures us, I will meet you. I will be there. I will be on the other side of this crisis. And it just breathed hope and life into me. I wrote down also a verse that I came across in uh, in your book, Life After the Storm. It's Romans 8, 31 and 32. And a key piece in there, and Jen and I often quote it, because I've been through some valleys, even recently. And he who spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? God understands that kind of brokenness. He understands what it means to lose a son, and his heart is toward us. You say that grief is a journey. It's personal. These are your words, that it's mental distress with deep anguish. And there's really not a right or wrong way, but you have to go through it. And if you're like, I guess you or like me, you want to short-circuit it and try to 
get on with it. But grief in so many ways, Jan, is a statement. It's a statement that you love. Those who love much grieve much. Can you tell us about your grief journey? You know, it's funny. It's been two weeks. Mother's Day, five years ago now, since our whole family was together. And springtime for me is, or Mother's Day, is always very tender. And just yesterday, Frank and I sat in the car and talked about something totally unrelated, and we both started to just cry. And we haven't done that at the same time, at the same moment, together in a while. And you're just reminded that grief is always with you. It doesn't dominate us. It doesn't own us, but it's very much a part of who we are. And I think accepting that that doesn't make you negative or make you weak, but that it is, you will carry that sorrow always. Sure. But we just surrender the sorrow and ask God to use it. And He is, and He does. And I'm sure it will be something I will surrender many, 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 many times still in the future. Blessed are those who mourn, Hmm. for they shall be comforted. You talk about opening the door. Jen, you don't ever forget. I guess you kind of build a bridge over it and you create a new normal. And you celebrate the life and love that you have every day. And you press on. Jen, there's a verse in Psalm that says this, and one day he will turn our mourning into dancing. What do you hold on to as a mom? I hold on to the certainty that James is alive, that he has never been more alive, that all of the things that hindered or made life hard for him are over. I hold on to the anticipation of seeing him again. I hold on to the the memories. Oh my goodness. I hold on to all that we learned through James. James wasn't easy to raise <laughs> and he has not been easy to lose. For all parents, every child has such a place in your heart. And no one could ever feel the hole that James has left in our heart except that Jesus feels it. And he feels it one day at a time. It doesn't just get filled up, smoothed over, and it's done. He feels it. We have to let him fill that hole one day at a time. Jan, I'm going to give the final word to you, and I want you to speak to that man or woman listening right now, whatever age, and it's dark for them. What do you say? Turn in to your heavenly Father and fall against Him and allow Him to love you and to care for you and to comfort you. He cares. He is with you. He is walking this journey with you. He's trustworthy. He does 
all things well. He can use this. This place in your life, alone and isolated, is not a good thing. But he can weave it into the fabric of your life in a way that you will be able to one day see his wisdom and his goodness and his love and his care for you. You don't have to have the strength or the knowledge to hold on to him because he holds on to you. You are precious in his sight. His word tells us time and time again, all we have to do is just call out his name and reach for the hem of the garment one more time. Just reach towards him. He never, ever neglects just that feeble reach towards him. God will carry you through. As the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I'll praise you in this storm and I will lift my hands for you are who you are no matter where I am and every tear I've cried you hold in your hand you never left my side special guest again today has been Jan Harrison. Brand new work called Life After the Storm. God will carry you through. I don't know what your storm is. I don't know why you're going through it, but I know God is in the midst of it. Yes, and I've had those moments where I'd say, I don't even want to hear that. It's just because there's so much anger and frustration or confusion going on. But he will see you through and you will get through this. Psalm 3.3 says, But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, you're the lifter of my head. Psalm 121, verse 1. The heart of this song, my casting crowns, I lift my eyes to the mountains, to the hills. Where does my help come from? From the maker of heaven and earth, whose heart is toward you like a loving father. Cry out to him. Reach to him and find your salvation. Thanks for listening to Life, Love, and Family. We can be of help to you. Visit us at lifeloveandfamily.net. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Step up and join the family. Will you do that? If we can personally minister to you, 
Dial us at 855-455-3264. For Jan Harrison, I'm Dr. Tim Clinton. Thanks for listening. Women in Depression, get confidential help. 1-877-257-9612. Women addicted to alcohol or drugs, get confidential help. 1-877-257-9612. Women with anxiety or eating disorders, trauma, and PTSD, get confidential help. Timberline Knowles Residential Treatment Center, 1-877-257-9612 or timberlineknowles.com.